Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Balak Revi'i, the fourth Aliyah in Parshas Balak. The topic of this Aliyah is Bilam's first blessing. In overview, it is 15 second long, running from Perak Chof Beis Lametes to Chof Gimel Yud Beis. Here's a basic summary of the Aliyah, and then we'll take a few points to ponder to get in a little bit more depth. So Balak takes Bilam to a place called Kiryas Chutzos and he brings a number of sacrifices there. In the morning, they move to a place called Bamos Baal, the, the, the sacrificial area of Baal, where they could see part of the nation of Israel from that standpoint. Bilam at this point commands Balak to build seven altars and upon which he will bring seven oxen and seven ram. Bilam then says he would like to walk around and perhaps Hashem would chance upon him, and that's what happens. He goes off for work, Vayikar Hashem, Hashem chances upon or comes upon Bilam, tells him what to say. And um, off he goes, he comes back to Balak, he returns to him and he gives him the following parable. He has sort of general summary, it's obviously the words require a lot more depth. Every letter, every word over here is of great significance. We're not going to be able to do, cover most of the depth in, uh, in our very short time. So he says that he, he's been summoned to curse Israel, but he can't curse when Hashem is not cursed. He cannot curse when Hashem is not angry. Hashem, what Hashem is not angry over. He sees the nation and he says, I said from the very beginning, they're a nation that dwells apart. They're not included among the other nations. He notes the, notes the vast numbers of Israel and he wants to his end, Tiachrasi, and by N, be like theirs as well. Let me die like them and be buried by like them. Balak is asked in amazement, how can you bless them when I called you to curse them? And Bilam once again reiterates that he, whatever he says is from the mouth of Hashem. That's a basic summary of the Aliyah. A few basic points to ponder when trying to look at this first blessing. First of all, the places. Why Kiryas Chutzos? Why the place that, that he takes him is Kiryas Chutzos? So Rashi explains, this is a large cosmopolitan city, many marketplaces, lots of bustling commerce, and he's showing this to Bilam to demonstrate what Israel would destroy were they to gain power. It's worthwhile noticing that this is, you know, very much one of the anti-Semitic lines which is used time and time again about Israel always being an aggressor. It's, it sort of reminds me of the Palestinians going to and taking the, the UN through Gaza City, drumming up support and showing how what a victim they are after all these are terrible aggressions when in fact they started it and they're the ones who fired the rockets. Here Balak is saying, look, look what Israel is going to do and attack, but Israel never was going to attack Moab in the first place. But look, this is what they're going to destroy. We're the victim, and he's trying to drum up support. That's what seems to be going on over here. Why Bamos Baal? Why is the place that he's going to, so as to be cursing Bamos Baal? Rashi says because it is an area of Avodah So he's capitalizing on that, perhaps being some sort of um, opportunity for them to curse Israel from there. Why the seven altars? Why is he, does Bilam tell him to build seven altars? Lots of fascinating suggestions. The Rajbam says he knew he had to act beyond what Hashem allowed him to. So meaning to say he had to go around the system of Hashem, but he's still trying to use the system at the same time. So he's trying to curry favor in, uh, in Hashem's eyes using the system, but also working around the system at the same time.
Rashi says it's because the patriarchs built seven altars. Avram built four, Yitzhak built one, Yaakov built two, if you go through the stories of the Avos. And therefore, corresponding to all of their efforts, he's trying to, we'll call it, harness that power by building seven and saying, look, I did more than all of them, or the same as all of them in all of their lifetimes put together. The Ibn Ezra points out that there are much deeper understandings as to why the number seven is significant over here. And he, he says the people who understand Chayna, understand, you know, Kabbalistic ideas would understand what's going on over here. The Balaturim adds in another aspect, and that is that Eov built seven altars as well when he wanted to reach Hashem. It also could correspond to the seven mitzvahs b'nei noach. The seven, we'll, we'll call it commandments that the nations outside of Israel have to fulfill. And perhaps almost as a signifying that we are doing everything we can. So please listen to us. It should be noted, interestingly enough, Kabbalistically, that the Chida points out in Sefer Melachim Beis, Perik Beis, there are 42 children killed by bears um, who before taunting um, the prophet Elisha upon his becoming a prophet. And the Chida points out that those, uh, those 42 children were actually souls that had been trapped by the Zuchus, the merit of these Karbonas. These souls had been trapped by the Karbonas and these, cho- these souls entered the world through sin. They were born through conception on Yom Kippur and, they le- and the way that they were freed from the, the being, they being trapped by these Karbonas was when Elisha uh, um, essentially released these bears upon them. Therefore, sort of filling the circuit, completing the circuit for these, uh, the, these, these very sad souls which had been trapped. Just a complex aspect of, you know, some of the Kabbalistic aspects in the background of this. Now, another question. Why is it that he only shows him a part of the people? So it's very important to notice that when you want to criticize anyone or anything, just make sure you don't have the full picture. You know, you want to, you, you want to, you want to understand, you want, you, want to, you want to be able to level an argument which is illegitimate? Well, just look at half the story. Just look at half of the picture. You'll, then you, you'll always have something to say. If you don't understand everything, then you're always going to have a criticism. If you don't know the full picture, you'll always find what you think is a legitimate complaint. So look at a little bit of Israel and find a criticism because you're not looking at the full people, that's the way to do it. It's, it's, it's important to realize this because most people today pontificate based on headlines rather than even in-depth research. Most people make their judgments based on their simple, um, very limited viewpoint about the way that it, uh, a particular administration, a particular policy is, uh, is, is, is put into practice without even realizing the full context for it as well. Very important perspective in terms of having full or partial perspective and they're manipulating partial perspective to create curses. Now, how was it that Bilam actually received prophecy? It's important that his notion was the idea of maybe Hashem will chance upon me. As opposed to where Hashem directly called to Moshe, here he was called upon indirectly, almost as happenstance. Hashem doesn't want to even give him the honor of interacting with him directly. And that's why it's Vayikar, it's Mikre, it is happenstance in which he interacts with him as well. Um, finally, what does it mean that Hashem was getting angry? Hashem wasn't getting angry. The Gemara Brachos and tells us that Hashem gets angry for a fraction of a moment every day. And what Bilam was looking to do was to utilize that moment, start his curses in that moment, either say a very short curse or start his curses in that moment and use that aperture as, an, as the place to curse Israel. Hashem did not get angry that day. That sounds very strange. What's going on does it mean Hashem is getting angry? So Rav Kuk in his Pirish on the Gemara, Ein Ayah. And Gomorrah and Brachos explains that, the, that, the, that there's always a place for anger, meaning anger is a bad habit and is a bad characteristic, but there are times that a person can employ it in the right way at the right moment for the right result. 
And that, that's a very, very fraction of a moment in existence. That reflects itself in humanity. There's times, there, 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 there's times in humanity where anger is, uh, is, is, is appropriate, but it's a very fraction, small fraction of the time. And that Hashem's anger, so to speak, is dependent on what we'll called the corruption or the anger in the people. What Belam was looking to do was to expand the corruption in the people, which would reflect the anger in Hashem's world, which means that it's not so much about, you know, doing hocus pocus with Hashem, but it's really about trying to find an aperture in the people. Let's try to manipulate, expand some aspect of anger, which, which reflects itself in distaste and, and sin in the people. Let's try to expand that, which will lead to more anger in Hashem. But they were at such a high level that that was not a successful plan. These are some of the main points in this Aliyah. We can now conclude the first blessing of Bilam, and we'll move into the second one in Aliyah Chameshi. Have a wonderful, meaningful day.